Hey y'all, welcome to the Marty Smith America podcast. This is volume 94. That means it's the DeMarcus Ware edition. Man, did I love watching that dude get after quarterbacks. It's such a unique time in our history. So many of us are quarantined. A lot of us are in shelter in place, stay at home modes. And despite that, we're still trying really hard to collect and and offer you guys unique original content to help you pass the time. And we know we have that today. Had a great opportunity to spend 30 or so minutes with six-time pro bowler Gerald McCoy, who of course was a consensus All-American for the Oklahoma Sooners in the third pick overall in the 2010 NFL draft, has had such a great career, just signed with the Dallas Cowboys, which is a lifelong dream for an Oklahoma boy who grew up just a couple of hours from Big D. This is going to be a really revealing time as you guys listen to this interview with Gerald. It certainly was for me. Uh, he, <laughs> he told me about an amazing exchange with Kobe Bryant. He told us why the Dallas Cowboys are the right choice for him right now in his career as he chases that elusive first Super Bowl. And he also told us a couple interesting things about his favorite NFL player, how one of his former teammates still has a whole lot left in the tank, and that the team that let that player go might just regret it. Here is our conversation with Gerald McCoy on the Marty Smith's America podcast. Wow. First, uh, of course, we have to talk about quarantine. And it's such a unique time, uh, not only currently, but in the history of man. What's quarantine been like for you? How you guys spending time? Right now, my kids are in school, so they all got virtual school or you know, online school where they got to get on an app called Zoom Mm -hmm. and they meet with the teachers and they go through a full day of school. So they patch them in the different teachers in their home. So they may have art. They may have movement. I got to take them through PE. (laughs) They may have library, Spanish, all different types of stuff. So been doing that, going outside, doing family workouts, playing tennis, playing up the basketball court. That's about it. Me and my son and I, uh, my oldest was going to Oklahoma. We been, we've been training hard. So that's other than that, that's about it. I've been doing all the cooking. Well, most of it because my wife is making sure the house is all together. So she got a little under the weather. So I kind of took over the cooking duties. How does, uh, how does quarantine impact a vegan diet? Oh, well, for me, I, uh, I've I'm, I kind of do a little a little both now because last year um, in training camp. So what I what I want to uh, do is uh, test the vegan out, and I loved it. But what I what I came to realize is with a guy my size, it wasn't sustainable to be fully vegan. So I kind of been going uh, in and out of it, you know, uh, with with my diet because uh, I started realizing like. I still was explosive, and I um, had everything I needed, but it wasn't sustainable. So I had to get some uh, other protein back in my diet. 
Why wasn't it sustainable? You couldn't keep the weight on you needed? No, when I say sustainable, I mean my explosion. Like, so my legs, my muscles would start kind of shaking a little bit because oh. they didn't have the energy they needed. And I wasn't able, like, I would, I didn't realize this. Like, in practice, I was fine. But once I got in my first couple preseason games, I realized, like, when I have to push off and drive and then take off, turn and take off running, it just, I felt like I couldn't run like I wanted to. And I realized that it was it was my diet. So, what did you reinstitute back into your diet? Oh, uh, just regular proteins. You know, like I I do uh I do uh seafood for sure mostly. That's mainly all I really eat. Then I'll add some grilled chickens in there, and then maybe one red meat a week. I'm not really big into the red meat, but maybe once a week, you know, to prepare for games. But right now, I'm not really eating red meat. Period. So. You noted that you and your son are getting after it, working out, trying to make sure you're prepared for the season. What do those workouts look like right now? Oh, yeah. So, for me, anybody who knows me, like knows me, knows me, knows, I'm always going to find a way to do, like, grueling workouts regardless. So, you know, we still pulling sleds, doing a lot of sprints, doing uh, heavy weight lifting. I got into this uh, this new lifting regimen that I got. I went to uh, – visit um chuck smith and at his gym i started i did some lifting the trainer there had me doing it was more like a almost like a bodybuilders type lift and uh it just i started doing that and i started realizing man this is just really beneficial like it it sucks because it's a lot of reps and stuff but you (laughs) see results really fast so i've been i've been putting my my son through that Let's go back to uh, PE teacher Dad McCoy. Uh, are you one yeah. of those, like do you do you, do you run them outside and you're wearing like your bike coaching shorts and your whistle? No, I'm not doing that. I'm just regular dad, and we go through. You know, really, what I do is I take it um, as a time to start training my my youngest. Well, not my youngest, but my second oldest son. You know, he plays football and basketball, so I kind of use it as a time to put him through some workouts and start training him. And then uh, his twin, he loves to run around too, so I just kind of, excuse me, have him do the same thing. You leave us here in Charlotte, and you're headed to Big D, the Dallas Cowboys. Why was that the right fit for you? Oh, well, there's a number of different reasons, man. Uh, One is the star. You know, it's the – number one highest grossing team in you know in the world so um that's one thing uh, i grew up in oklahoma which is like two and a half hours from there so i grew up starting out as a cowboys fan eventually becoming a bucks fan but if you didn't know somebody or yourself at some point wasn't a cowboys fan and you from oklahoma it was something wrong with you <laughs> like just being honest you know and then i mean watching them being in the NFL you see them dang there every week so I mean it's just overall it's the Cowboys and then secondly you know you look at the uh, I was a big fan of uh, Coach McCarthy um, when he was at Green Bay and I had a chance to play for him at the Pro Bowl and get to know him just a little bit and I always was a fan my dad was always a fan so I looked at it as an opportunity this would be exciting to play for him and then um, you know, I can be close to my family. My best friend lives there. Uh, my wife's sister lives there. My sister lives there. So, 
it's nothing but, you know, opportunity, honestly. And then, finally, I truly believe this team has an opportunity to win, man. Um, they're in win-now mode. You know, uh, I believe Dak is coming off his best season. You know, Zeke has been consistent. They got a solid O-line, always have. Uh, you know, it sucks to lose Travis Frederick, but, you know, they have the rest of the guys in place. They can keep the momentum and keep things going. And I just felt like myself and a couple other pieces were missing on defense to really help this team turn the corner. And uh, I'm just – I was excited about the opportunity. What is it about wearing that star that's different? Uh, I'm not sure. You know, for a team to be classified as America's team, you know, obviously they've, uh, you know, really popular. And, you know, I ran into so many – I didn't realize – how many Dallas Cowboy fans I really ran into until I announced that I was playing for Dallas. That's that's when I realized, like, oh, yeah, you are a Cowboys fan. And then my phone just blew up. Most of my family's Cowboys fans. <laughs> Most of my friends I grew up with, Cowboys fans. Shoot, I found out my the person who does my hair is a Cowboys fan. The person <laughs> who works in the shop with her is a Cowboys fan. I'm like, where do all these Cowboys fans come from? You know, it's just it's the Cowboys, like America's team. You know, every year you're going to see them on TV five, six times. And one thing that also was very appealing to me was getting to play on Thanksgiving. You know, I grew up watching the Thanksgiving Day game, and I still watch the Thanksgiving Day game, and, um, it's always exciting to see. So having an opportunity to play in there is going to be great. You know, I've only played on Sunday night football one time, and it was versus the Cowboys. And we had to get <laughs> flexed in order to do that because we were in a playoff push. So, you know, I've, I've never played on Sunday night football besides that one time. And like I said, it just so happened to be versus the Cowboys. So it'll be exciting to, uh, you know, have an opportunity to do that as well. You noted your respect for Mike McCarthy. How do you expect he might impact the Cowboys culture? Well, he's had, you know, a history of winning. You know, obviously, um, I can say this. He said, it, you know, you get spoiled with having a player like Aaron Rodgers, you know, one of the, in my opinion, top five quarterbacks in history. And uh, he's my favorite player, so I'm always going to be a little biased towards Aaron Rodgers. Um, But, you know, he's had that. But he's also had great teams that he's put together with great leadership. You know, if you look at that Super Bowl team he had, you know, Charles Woodson was one of the main leaders. And then you just put playmakers around him. But it was a lot of great leadership, man. And and that's what I believe that uh, this team was missing. And uh, I believe he's going to put us in a great position to win. It's just going to be up to us, the leaders on the team, to make it go. Why is Aaron Rodgers your favorite player? Have you watched him play? Oh, man. Look, I'm not saying I don't agree with you. He's a magician is what he is. He's an unbelievably gifted tactician. His accuracy, especially – Throwing back across his body 30 yards down the field is historic. The way he could just take a football and just flip it and it goes 40 yards is ridiculous. It's just and a, he's a, a flick of the too. wrist. It's a flick of the wrist and the ball is, is gone. I mean, um, I watched um, a thing called Turning Point 
the other day was him versus, unfortunately, the Cowboys, and he was on a, <laughs> a, a drive to win the game. And it was a play, it was like week five, 2017, I think, maybe. 2017, 2018, 2017. And uh, he threw a game-winning pass to Devontae. And the guy, uh forget who the corner was, he tipped it. And Devontae came back to the line and told him to throw it again. And he said he just, with his eyes, told me to throw a better pass. Aaron Rodgers broke down why he chose to throw the ball the way he did. He said, based off how the corner was playing off the first play of the drive, I knew how to throw this pass. And it just, people don't understand what being a true pro is. And even that, most pros don't know to do. Most pros don't think like that, but he does. Him and a few others, you know, I honestly believe, like, right now the best player in our league is Patrick Mahomes. But I don't even know if he thinks that way yet. You know what I'm saying? Like, his way of thinking, how he operates, um, his confidence in the clutch is just is Aaron Rodgers, man. Who would the other four, if, if Aaron Rodgers is one of the five best ever, who are the other four? Peyton, Tom, Elway. And I know people are going to kill me for this, for not saying Joe Montana, but uh, I would say Marino. Joe yeah, Montana Peyton, won a lot Peyton, of rings. Peyton, Peyton Tom. Yeah, maybe. He had the luxury of having Jerry Rice, too. And John. Which Taylor. is no knock. He's, 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 and Brent he's you know, he's arguably the greatest of all time. I'm not saying he's not, but, you know. <laughs> It's just like some people, it's the LeBron James, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant thing. You know, it's just a kind of like a preference thing. You respect LeBron for being who he is, but you might not pick him to be in your whatever. You know what I'm saying? So Joe Montana is obviously a top three quarterback in history, but the five that I like, I would have to say uh, Dan Marino. Is my fifth. I just said Brent Jones. I meant Dwight Clark, of course. Different era. Yeah. Um, right, right. What, what, uh, you know, speaking of being inspired, it's funny. I actually, one of the questions that I wanted to ask you in looking at your Instagram, I can see you're a huge Kobe guy. Who do you got? Kobe, <laughs> Braun, or Michael? You said, who do I have out of those three? Yeah. Oh, this is no question. It's Jordan. Yeah. I don't think that's an argument. I think my favorite player of all time, my favorite player of all time is Kobe Bryant, obviously. But the greatest of all time is Michael Jordan. You know, and I I believe anybody who has an argument for LeBron has a valid argument, but I just personally believe Jordan is the greatest. This is what, how I what, feel. Right. What separated Michael from the others? Here's how I see it. When the president is making an announcement that Michael Jordan is back in basketball, it just don't get no better than that. Like he got so much other stuff. He got so much other stuff to be um he could be talking about. But he's giving a you know, announcement in a speech and he said, Oh, by the way, Michael Jordan is back in basketball. Like his impact, everything, man. Him and him in the finals, how he how he was being clutch. You know, going six to six in the finals, he just did so much. And he just, he was ahead of his time, you know, and 
the stuff he done, people still are not doing. No. You know, it's just, it's just, it's just clear to me. Jordan was just, he's way too good, man. Like he was doing stuff like, and a lot of people are like, well, a lot of people are like, well, you know, LeBron came out of high school and this and this. Hey, that's his fault for going to the NBA early. Like you gotta think of how Jordan was dominating college as well. Dominated college, came in the league as a rookie. Dang, their average, what are your average, almost 30 points? That's mm-hmm. ridiculous. That's just, it is ridiculous. Yeah. And when you Jordan, look at that era, he's Jordan. He's Jordan. He's Jordan. Jordan. Like, you can't. <laughs> I mean, he impacted Not much more such a global icon. And, and as well, uh, in his era, the game was so damn physical that every single time you know, Michael went to the rim, I'm glad he got assaulted, that. bro. I'm glad you said that. The Jordan rules, like, are we yep. really doing this? The Jordan rules, come on, man. A lot of these kids don't even know what the Jordan rules are. Like, this guy, he they were really trying to hurt him as he was coming yep. in the lane. And he never stopped. He just kept going, kept going, kept going. And I don't believe a lot of these players in today's game could have played because it was just too physical. It just, it just was, man. And I think maybe – they could have. A lot of players could have. It just was so physical, man. So physical. Like the big man, the big man in in, in basketball is just is almost like a lost art now. Like a, a, having a true big man, because you gotta if you can't shoot threes as a big man, you like not valuable anymore. And that's not that's not what I grew up watching. You know. What impact did Kobe Bryant have on your life? Uh, well, Kobe. One thing he did is, uh, for me, is he inspired me to have that killer instinct at regardless of circumstance, you know. And it doesn't matter if one thing you can a coach would never say about me. I don't care who it is. You go to any coach at any any time in my life, they'll never tell you he quit, he gave up, or he didn't go hard. Like ever, it didn't matter what it was, how bad we was losing. If the season was already lost, what was going on? He's going to give you everything he got. Just, that's just because how, how he's always been. There's never going to be a coach or anybody who's ever been around me that will tell you he was ill-prepared. He wasn't in shape. He don't work hard. He He's not prepping in the off season. Nobody ever tell you that. And a lot of that, um, you know, I had to build on my own. But knowing how to do it and the mindset to have, I got a lot of that from Kobe. You know, I got a lot from Muhammad Ali and Floyd Mayweather as well, but most of it came from Kobe. You know, just watching him, watching his interviews, his demeanor, how he carried himself, his workout timing, how he, you know, his, how he, his preparation. He said he would go in the morning, then he would have lunch, then he'd come back in the afternoon, then he'd eat, then he'd come back in the evening. He said, before you know it, you done got three workouts in and everybody else done done one. You know, if you if you haven't, if you visualize whoever it is you're trying to be better than, if you walk off the field or play or the basketball court and you feel like you haven't outworked them, then you need to go back. You know, just a, he's always had that mindset. And I just always loved the way he approached the game, how he played the game, and just everything about him. I saw that photo of you guys on your Instagram. What would you say to him when you had the opportunity to spend some time with him? Well, the first thing I said when I, I met him, I seen him come in, 
and I was shook. It's kind of starstruck, but at the same time, I said, gee, if you don't say what you got to say right now, if you don't man up and say what you got to say, you might not ever get this chance again. So I was like, you know what? Took a deep breath. I seen him coming, coming this way, coming this way, coming this way, coming this way. And then he was like, what's up, big fella? And then I said, what's up? Introduced myself. And I said, listen, I don't know what the rest of the day is going to hold. I know your time is short. But I just want to tell you this. I've always wanted to tell you this. And all I told him is how much he's inspired me and how much I looked up to him and watched his interviews and watched his workout tapes and all that. And then I let him go. And then after that, me being uh, so assertive, we were at the Players' Tribune. When they were going around asking questions, he asked me like three questions because he seen how assertive I was with talking to him. See, most everybody else in the room, he knew already. He didn't know me, but because I was so assertive and aggressive, not aggressive to him, but, you know, just aggressive with my approach, he started asking me questions, multiple questions, and me just being me, love to have a good time, you know, um, not afraid to talk in front of any crowd. People just kept asking me questions, and before you know it, I'm really doing a lot of the talking because of what, you know, uh, my answers and just me not being afraid to be me in front of whoever. I don't care if these guys are A-list celebrities or whatever it may be. I'm going to be me, and that's just that's just how it is. And afterwards, after the Player Tribune meeting, we came out, and we're sitting out there talking, and he comes sits next to me, and we start talking again. I'm sitting in my head like, no way this is happening. You know, but then his uh, assistant was like, all right, Kobe, we got to go. We got to get here, here, here. He was like, all right, fellas, I got to go. I'm going to get out of here. I was like, man, that was crazy. That was Kobe Bryant. He really was about to sit down and just talk to us. That's crazy. What did he ask you? We were talking about uh, impact on teams and uh, how we approached everything. And uh, he was asking our viewpoint on how we approach marketing ourselves. And, um, you know, at the time I was still with the Bucks. And, you know, it was interesting because I'm in the room with Kevin Durant. Um, who else was in there? Paul Pierce. Uh, Maria Sharapova's in there. Blake Griffin. Kobe. Derek Jeter. You know, people of this magnitude. Von Miller. People of this, of this level. And... Um, they just uh, the names just keep going and keep going, and uh, oh, Michael Phelps was in there, and I'm having to talk about marketing myself, and you got all these people who they the marketing is done for them basically. They just <laughs> you know they are who they are, and um, he asked me about my approach and things and how I viewed it, and we just went from there. And then the questions just kind of um, you know it's like a domino effect. They just rolled out from that point. That's really cool. Man, you were in Tampa forever. How would you have reacted if Tom Brady was suddenly your quarterback? I mean, obviously I would have been excited. You know, I've been I went through a lot with Tampa, um, a lot of ups and downs, mainly downs as far as winning goes, not like operational or organization. Winning, mainly downs, but uh, uh, I loved my time there, and it would have been great to uh, – be on that team and 
have Tom Brady. You know, obviously, how I work it, how I operate is, I give everybody the credit when credit is due, and I thank everybody for that time. So, obviously, I would have given Jameis his credit and told him thank you. And, you know, somebody asked me, well, how you feel about Jameis? And I, well, listen, I don't control that. It's business. And I've seen so many people come and go. I've seen Akeem Tlaib be at the same place. He at least win one Super Bowl. I've seen LeGarrette Blunt there. He left and won three Super Bowls. One of my closest friends in the world, Mike Bennett, he was he was on our team. They let him go. And he went and won a Super Bowl. Played in two, you know, won a Super Bowl, played on winning teams. And I've seen so many players come and go. So to see our quarterback come and go, it would have been my fourth, maybe fifth quarterback, you know, and I would have given him all the credit and just welcome in Tom Brady. I mean, he's the GOAT. So, I mean, how do you not welcome in the GOAT? It's like being on an NBA team and, you know, you're sitting there and all of a sudden Kobe walk in and Kobe's on your team now. I mean, you're going to say thank you for the person who was there, but all right. Come on in, you know. This is how it would be, you know. And I and I love James, man. James is like my little brother, um, and I'm always gonna look out for him. You know, I love him, guys, and I truly believe he's gonna land on his feet. Um, but now we have a new teammate that we have to welcome in and get acclimated to. So that's what I would have done. And with it being Tom Brady, it's like, come on, man, this is Tom Brady. You know what I'm saying? Have you spoken to Jameis recently? How's he doing? If you have, Jameis is great. Jameis is always, Jameis is always very positive. Jameis is one of the hardest working people I've ever been around. Well, you know how people say first one in, last one out. He he really lived that. That wasn't fake. He actually lived that. So when um, you know, a person says that Jameis was truly that person. You know, I got there. I thought I got there early. I get there, James is already sweating. I'm like, man, what the heck? When did you get here? You know, and he did this in season and in training. You know, training camp. I'm gonna be honest. A lot of people say whatever they want to say. A lot of people push the limits in training camp because it's nonsense. It's like playing the game every day. So you come in, you got to get your body ready, but you just kind of dragging a little bit, and you just it takes you some time to get going. Jameis would be in there lifting and, I mean, up and ready to go every day. This was every single day. So, and then um, sometimes because I had to pick my kids up, I would let traffic go past before I left so I wouldn't get stuck in traffic. And Jameis would still be up there either doing extra meeting time, doing extra treatment, something. But he really was first one in, last one out. So, um it just sucked to see, you know, the interceptions and the fumbles and the, because he really did give it everything he had and he prepared the right way every single week and he trained hard all the time, all the time. But James just had a, he's a gunslinger and gunslingers. I call it's called. I always say any quarterback is a gunslinger. It's a sickness. You can't control it. You just believe you can. Make any throw, put it in any window. But the same thing that people look at as the negative is what makes him successful with making the plays he makes because he's unwavered and he believes he can make any throw regardless of the outcome. And that's why I believe he's going to land on his feet. And uh, at some point he'll be starting for somebody really soon. Gerald, what moment proved to you that the NFL is a business? Peyton Manning getting released. 
I didn't need to see nothing after that. You know, I, I thought Peyton Manning was the GOAT until these last few Super Bowls that Tom Brady has been through. Um, you know, that comeback kind of put it over the top for me um, against Atlanta. But seeing Tom, seeing Peyton Manning get released, I was like, oh, yeah, I know how this works. So from now on, I don't take nothing personal. I believe if, like, the thing is with, with Indy, he got released, it was handled with class. So that's the only that that's why I say you can't take it personal. But if something is ugly when when it goes down, you know, and you've done everything you've done for the organization, and it's you know you're treated a certain way, then you can take it personal because it's like, all right, man, like have some respect. But past that, man, I don't take nothing personal. It's, it's all business. That's what it is. It's a game to the players. It's business to the business side. It's just, it's just how it is. The guys upstairs, it's a business. So I don't take nothing personal, man. What's your opinion of the newly minted collective bargaining agreement? I'm not speaking on that. Okay. <laughs> I'm not speaking on that. It got, it, it's done and over. It can't do nothing about it. I want to ask you just a couple more things. I've kept you too long already, brother. I just, I love your candor. I love your perspective. And I really appreciate you giving me all this time. Uh, we talked mm-hmm. about Jameis. You also, as I said, spent a, spent a year in Charlotte here where I lived last year. What interaction did you have with Cam Newton while you were here? What do you think his production level can be moving forward? I truly believe that Carolina made a mistake letting Cam go. Yeah, I'm all for Teddy, and Teddy's getting everything he deserves. It's not personal to a Teddy, so let me say that right now. This is not a personal shot at Teddy Bridgewater. This could have been Andy Dalton. This could have been whoever they brought in. This could have been a rookie. It don't matter. It's not about who they brought in. It's about the fact that they let Cam go, and Cam has so much left, so much left, and he's immensely talented. He's a great teammate. Really, really nice guy. Full of energy. Always brings the energy, and loves to work. He I mean he just got injured. I mean Cam, Cam, what he though his style of play, you want to get hurt because he I mean, he runs it all. He's a he's a you know uh, a big guy that moves as good as any athletic person on the field. He can outrun anybody, but he's also a really good quarterback. Um, it's just his style of play. You're going to take some hits. And as he's gotten older, he's taking less hits, but the young hits he's taking when he was younger, it's just kind of worn him a little bit. But he's got so much left, man. And I hated to see that. But I'm excited for his future because somebody's getting a great one. Somebody's really getting a great one, man. And they don't. I don't think people really understand what they're getting, you know, for all the antics and things people see from Cam. One thing you can never say about him is that he folded. Cam did it his way, how he wanted, for as long as he wanted. And it's just, you know, he's not going to change for anybody. And you got to respect the person like that who's going to do it their way and not change just because people think he should. I love it. I'll leave it right there. Uh, very well said. Brother, again, thank you for your perspective, man. Thank you for your time. Uh, I just love chatting with you. We really appreciate you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Really filled up my tank having the opportunity to spend that time with Gerald. As I said to him, I just love his perspective. He is completely unafraid to say what he thinks, 
his candor and sense of humor and the depth of his perspective is beautiful. And I just love chatting with him. We've had him on the podcast before, and there's a reason we had him back. I will tell you, Travis, I find it interesting that he didn't want to discuss the CBA. That tells me a lot. Thoughts? That says something, because I assume that means he was against it, but you know, he's someone that's made his money and it, his career is coming to an end, so it wouldn't make sense. So, I'm, But kind of surprised he didn't want to talk about it just because of how uh, open he is about things. It's interesting to me that that thing was decided by 50 votes. Well, and that, think about that, it. There was, what they say, like a couple hundred that didn't even vote, and it was decided by 50? Like I know. That really tells you, that tells you so much. Two things there. Number one, the, 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 the numbers involved in that vote and how close it was tells you a lot. And the fact that one of the most outspoken, thoughtful players in the entire league did not want to discuss it also tells you a lot. What he said about Cam Newton, I love it. And I'd also love that he did not, look, nobody in Charlotte has any problem with the fact that Teddy Bridgewater is going to be the quarterback. Teddy Two Gloves is a baller, man. And you talk about a guy who had a an amazing career derailed by injury. I mean, that guy's one of the poster children for that. He is a tremendously talented player and did a great job when Drew Brees was out in New Orleans. But I love to hear Gerald's perspective on the fact that he believes Cam has so much left in the tank that he's going to help a team, that he's a great teammate. It's uh, that, that, that was amazing perspective from somebody who knows. And so I loved it. I'm grateful for his time. Uh, great job, Travis, getting Gerald on. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe, rate, and review. And stay home, everybody. Stay at home. If we want to slow this thing down, Stay home. Don't that's be going. Say, that's what I've been saying is it, it stinks. But if we want it to end quicker, just stay home, suck it up for a couple weeks, and then we can get back to normalcy because we're, we're teetering on that line right now where it could impact the thing that we love the most, which is college football and NFL. So suck it up for a couple weeks, stay home, be smart, and let's get this over with. Stay home and stay healthy. Uh, thank, I am so grateful for all the doctors, nurses, first responders, all those people on the front lines, man, that aren't staying at home, who are going to work tirelessly so that they might save lives, so that they're putting themselves in harm's way in the effort to help other people. And that's as noble and admirable as you can possibly get. Thank you to every one of you who are out there on the front lines every day. Appreciate our law enforcement officials, our firemen, and certainly our military who are out there working every day to keep us free. Stay home, guys. Have an amazing week. We appreciate you listening. Marty Smith America, Volume 94. Y'all have a great week. Stay safe. Stay home. Hug your loved ones. Drink a cold beer.